as we begin the second talk of our Jonah series, have you ever found yourself, have you ever, ever found yourself in a real mess? So big that you didn't know if you would make it through. I'm sure most of us can relate to that at some point. Maybe you're there now. Have you ever been in a spot in your life where you're in such a big old mess, you're like, I'm not sure I'm going to get through this one. It's, it's that big. Did you ever feel like just maybe it would take a God-sized miracle and you just weren't sure he was paying attention to you? Now, apart from that, or maybe perhaps in addition to that, perhaps to further complicate things, could you trace the predicament to your own mistakes and your own bad choices? In other words, was this your fault? Was, are you saying on some level, the, the mess I'm in, I've either completely caused it, or at least I've had a hand in it, or I've complicated it further, or maybe not at all. But sometimes we look at our messes and we're like, it's not only frustrating to be in it, and I'm, I have, I've got a lot of blame to cast, but part of it is me. I have contributed to this predicament, maybe in a small way, maybe in a very large way. Has it been difficult in those moments to expect God to rescue when it's your own mess? That can be tough. Well, this is the situation that we uncover in our story today as we continue our series called Jaws. Jaws. I met, uh, Roger Ryder in our last service said I need to get the theme music for next week for that part when we play the thing. Jaws. Uh, which is an acronym for Jonah, a whale of a story. And so we're studying and looking through the book of Jonah for the next few weeks. And last week we studied, there's four chapters in Jonah. We're taking one week for each chapter, or in other words, I'm calling them stanzas. One week for each stanza. So last week we talked about stanza one. It was an exciting adventure. Today will be a little less exciting. It's basically the whole, it's a short chapter and it's all a prayer. It might be the least exciting of the four talks we're going to have. Unless you're going through something. Or unless you've been through something, or unless you're about to go through something. In which case, this may be the most important of the sermons. But not the, it's not, not the most exciting part of the book of Jonah. So, in stanza number one last week, we saw how that Jonah was a powerful prophet of God. He prophesied to the nation of Israel, saw God answer and fulfill his prophecies. He loved, he was a good man. And Jonah's one of those people that happens a lot to us in the world where his whole life is known for one bad, one big event that wasn't very favorable to him, right? Like, don't you know how that works sometimes? Like, someone becomes famous for something that they don't want to be famous for. And they're like, there's a whole lot more to who I am than that one thing, but that's what I'm famous for now. Jonah's famous for this one story. It's written about in the, in the, in, in the scriptures, and you know, we can read it, about it through history. But he was a whole lot more than that. We see glimpses of that in 2 Kings, he was a prophet. That's why God fulfilled his prophecies and used him. But now he's at a spot where he is on the run because God called him to love a people group that he found to be atrocious and threatening, but a people group whom God loved. And so Jonah struggled with this call to go help these people he didn't want to see helped. And if you don't understand all that, again, go back to last week. We, we talked about it at length. He didn't want to help them because they were an enemy and they were a threat. 
and he, they were horrible, he thought. He, so he ran from God's call to go love them and help them, even though God wanted him to because God cared for them. And as he ran, he, the opposite direction, took a ship the opposite way, a terrible storm was sent by God as God pursued Jonah. And we ended that story and all of its application with a couple verses at the end of the chapter, uh, Jonah 1.15. Let's look at them again. Jonah 1.15 says, Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice, and they vowed to serve him, which is amazing. And then verse 17, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, I mentioned at the end of last week that there's kind of a, that's a, big, that's a big detail there. And we didn't have time to get into it because chapter one was so packed full of truth and application. So today's a little simpler and a little shorter in the main point. So let me take some time today to pause and address the 500-pound gorilla in the room. Or in this case, the 500-pound whale or whatever. Um, there many times, many, many people who are skeptical about, you know, a lot of things, skeptical towards faith and towards maybe the scriptures and the stories, many skeptics have a problem with this story because it seems so ludicrous, right? Like, really, so wait, a, a big fish, a whale? Well, it doesn't say whale, the whale's throat won't work that way. A big fish? Where's that fish at? I haven't seen that one around was it a special creation? Was it, a, like Nathan said earlier, a mutation in a fish that existed? I mean, what, what in the world? How does he, how's he breathing air three days and three nights? I mean, how's he, how's he getting oxygen? How is this possible? This is just this incredulous to me. And so some people choose to handle that struggle, that skeptical outlook, by believing this story to be a parable, a figurative tale, which, I mean, you could make a case for that. Anthony was saying this earlier in our preparation about how that, you know, really did picture God's people, Israel, and how that they had gone far from him and that God was taking them and they were kind of being cast out of their land and that they were going to be, um, you know, eventually brought up into another place where they were going to have to serve and, and minister with people that they didn't care for in another location. So a lot of, of, of that. So some people just say this is a figurative tale or a picture. And if, by the way, if that's you today, and if I, let me go beyond that. If you're at all skeptical about anything, about Scripture or things like this, I want to, first of all, say awesome that you're, that you're engaging in person or online. How awesome is that? Um, because when sometimes uh, skepticism can be, well, for some people, it's just an excuse to not engage with faith, to not even look at God. And if they're forced to bring it up, to throw out some skeptical thoughts and then just to basically say, I don't believe, I don't care, I don't, I don't want to talk about it, meh. But if you're, if you're leaning in saying, I don't understand some things, some things are kind of hard for me, but I'm leaning in, I'm leaning in, and, I'm, I, and I got questions, I got some doubts, but I want to know God. Well, that's, that's awesome. And I always want our church to be a place where I don't want it to be a holy huddle or where we preach to the choir. And I want it to be a place where we can come and be honest because people who've been in church a short time or a long time Go through different seasons of struggles and doubts about all sorts of things. So, so we should be honest and not play a stained glass masquerade. And if you're, if, 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 I want it to be a place where it's safe to be very skeptical. So that's, that's good. And some people say, well, it must be just a parable. Now, I understand the reason why it's a lot to accept 
I do believe, personally, this is an event that truly happened. It's not a parable. It's an event. That's what I believe. It doesn't mean I'm smarter or writer. It just is what I believe. And let me tell you why I believe that. A couple reasons. First of all, I believe this was not a regular fish or a whale, but a special fish that God created for the situation, whether it was a special fish, a new species he created, or a mutation of a special species. Either way, God prepared this. And by the way, if we believe in creation at all, whether you think it happened in six literal days or over a longer period of time that's poetically described in Genesis 1, either way, we believe God created everything out of nothing at some point, spoke it or exploded it into it, banged it into existence at some point. If God did all of that with perfect life and light and a planet that sustains life just far enough away from the right planets, our bodies that work, all that he did, if we believe in creation, then why can't we accept the premise that God has something special here? Which is my second point, by the way. And that is, I have no problem with the miraculous. It was miraculous for God to insert himself into this world that he created in order to bring redemption. For Jesus Christ to be born of a virgin, to walk in our shoes, to for prophecies hundreds and hundreds of years before that happened, that it would happen one day, and then it did. Then for to walk in our shoes and do all the miracles he did and draw the attention he did, and then say he was going to die and rise again, which is impossible, but he did it, Right? I mean, you know, the, the, the cross, the resurrection, that's miraculous, right? To defeat death and resurrection. That's at the heart and soul of our faith. And ultimately, people who want to reject God, the most important thing they would like to debunk is the power of the resurrection. It's the staple of our faith. So before I would blanketly just dismiss the miraculous, because here's the thing, everyone believes in the miraculous. Everyone believes in the miraculous. You might exclude God from the miraculous, but there's other things. A freak of nature thing happened. Something miraculous happened, whether you want to assign it to chance or aliens or God or whatever. Something happened miraculously along the way over and over again in the world. And so uh, as we assign it to God's credit, if we believe in the miraculous and the story of the gospel is God's power to save us, so conquer death, create, give us life, defeat the death that came from our sin, that's the heart and soul of our faith. A God who did that, well, he could do anything. And I guess my third reason is that Jesus himself apparently believed that Jonah was a real person because Jesus talked about him himself. Then I'll show you a couple of verses where Jesus talked about Jonah and Nineveh before we pivot back to our main point. In, uh, in Matthew 12, verse 40, Jesus is talking. I won't give you the background here for sake of time. But Jesus says to his crowd, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Again, Jesus is saying, You think that's crazy? Wait till you see what I'm going to do next. I'm about to die and be buried, and three days later, you're going to rise again. So buckle up. When that happens, you're going to know. And people who didn't believe that when Jesus said he would do it, well, they believed it when the tomb was empty and many saw him. And that's why the church exploded. That's why Christianity has taken off. We saw it all pivot from, from the Pentecost feast after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, that's the miracle of all miracles. But before I get there, I'm referring back to Jonah. And then in verse 41, he says this, the very next verse, the people of Nineveh, pause, Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire that Jonah was sent to speak to that he eventually, spoiler alert, did go to preach to eventually. Uh, uh, the people of Nineveh, he said, will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here. But you refuse to repent. 
Jesus is saying those people who literally came and heard Jonah come and speak to them and they changed their course in history are going to have something to say on Judgment Day to the people he was speaking to, his own nation, God's nation, who refused to listen and make the right changes in their life. So, obviously, Jesus referred to Jonah and Nineveh as historical, real occurrences. And here's the thing about when Jesus says something, I don't know, anyone who, who can call their own death and resurrection and pull it off, I tend to go with what they have to say, you know? So I'm going to go with Jesus on this one here. And um, anyhow, he refers to Jonah. Now, even if someone said, yes, fine, but I just believe this to be, this to be a parable. Jonah is to be a parable. That's fine. The question would still exist, what is the parable teaching? Last week, we saw a great truth that God loves people that you don't like or God loves people that I don't like. And how we're supposed to interact with people while we embrace God's love for us, but not for them. Well, here's another great lesson from the story as we study stanza number two. Jonah is now in the belly of this great fish. And chapter two, again, not the most exciting part of the story, but helpful, hopefully, to somebody today. Jonah's going to pray from in there. Chapter two, verse one. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Again, this is already amazing. Because this in and of itself is incredible. He is alive and able to pray. We were talking about this earlier, Nathan, about that story recently. The man who got caught in the, recently in the news out east, in the, in a, a whale swallowed him. And he was in there for 45 minutes before they were able to rescue him. And crazy. And there's another story from years ago where that was, happened as well. And you, here's Jonah thinking it's over, but somehow he's alive. And he's praying. He's alive and he's able to, to, to think. And he's able to pray. And the other thing that's amazing is he chooses to do so. Think about that. He chooses to pray. Now, maybe that doesn't seem like, it. well, what else is he going to do? I mean, of course he's going to pray. You're desperate. And I, I agree. I do think that, you know, they used to say there are no atheists in foxholes. I understand that, you know, desperation does turn us to God. I get that. But here's the thing. How many times in our life have you or I been going through a tough time and we are someone we know and we'll talk to others about it, we'll fret, we'll be just overloaded by it and we're like, have you prayed about it? I don't have time for that, I don't have energy for that, I just don't have, I can't do that. And Jonah's in a spot where he's like, I'm kind of distracted right now, but Jonah chooses in this space to pray to God from inside the fish. Hmm. Verse two, he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. And that's interesting. I love that phrase, the land of the dead. I mean, that's what it was, right? Jonah was really calling out from a place of helplessness and hopelessness, the land of the dead. There's no coming back right here, is there? Verse 3. You, you threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. That's the land of the dead. Look, the sea is intimidating. If you've ever been on it before. When I was growing up, I, 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 was, I was born on a naval base. 
When I was a teenager, my dad was a pastor. I heard the stories of him talking about being on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean, uh, late at night in the pitch black. And, and I used to think about those stories. I've never been on one of them, but I have been on a couple of cruises now. And I'll tell you, sometimes it's crazy when you're way out there and you start thinking about the fact that the closest ground to you is way down at the bottom of the ocean floor because you're so far from any other land. And you're a needle in a haystack out there, right? And you're thinking, if I got lost out here, they wouldn't find me. I mean, it can be terrifying if you get in that frame of mind, I suppose, right? And so, you know, Jonah, I mean, you're lost at sea. It's terrifying. The land of the dead. Jonah says, I'm in the heart of the sea. Not just in the sea, but down pulled into the sea. He says, the mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. What's interesting about that is this. Jonah was not blaming, I don't think Jonah was blaming God here. You did this to me. I mean, we've done that. We've probably all been tempted to or have done that maybe at some point, I don't know. Jonah was saying, God, I ran from your presence because I didn't want to go where you sent me. And you called up and said, fine, Jonah, you want to run from my presence, then <laughs> be gone from my presence. Like, in other words, he's saying, I, I took off and now you're, I'm paying the price for my bad decisions. I am, I am now, because of what I chose to do, being cast away from you. I feel like I'm, I'm just, it's over, it's gone, I'm done. It's too late. It's a hard spot to find yourself in. But look at the last half of that verse. I love what it says. Jonah says, yet, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. It's a very interesting statement. It's a hearken, and it's a callback a little bit to uh, when Solomon built the temple in the southern kingdom and, said to, and, and God told him, if my people call by my name would humble themselves to pray and, and pray towards this holy temple. Pray toward, you know, and I don't know if Jonah as a prophet in the northern kingdom ever we even went to the southern kingdom to the temple. But right now he's thinking about it. Ultimately he's saying, I'm turning to pray towards the place where I see God's presence. What's interesting is that Jonah in this moment, was paying for his own sinful choices. That's why he was in the mess he was in. Yet he still looked to God again from where he was. As someone, some of us today, maybe online, maybe in person, I don't know, but someone needs to hear this today. He, he was, he said, was, like, I'm driven away. I'm, it's over, man. But he still looked to God from where he was. He said, I'm in my own mess I created through bad choices that led me here. I didn't do all of this, but my bad choices led me to this other stuff that happened to me. And yet he still looked to God from where he was. And that's such a big idea to come to God and say, God, I don't even have to come to you. Can I come to you? What's the point? Are you listening? It's helpless. It's hopeless. It feels that way. And I, I probably... Deserve far worse. Anyhow, I don't know. God, why, why bother? But Jonah said, I will look once more. Once more. God, I'm going to come again. I'm going to come again in this desperate spot right now. And I'm going to bring myself to your presence, Lord, once more. I mean, it's bad, but now how bad it is and how much the, the, there's no out of my predicament in my own power. And really in any sensible way. It just looks over. But I'm going to come back once more towards your holy temple. See, it's those times when we're tempted just to say, I give up. 
Those times we're tempted to say, I'm done. That we can come back and say, God, I'm once again going to come back to you instead of turning myself away and walking the other way. Verse 5. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. And now we're starting to see Jonah's prayer shifting a little bit. It's almost like a reality is setting in. Like he's sitting here in the middle of his mess and he's like, I'm dying, I'm dead, it's over, it's too late, God, I'm gonna pray anyhow. And then at some point he's like, hey, I shouldn't be able to, I shouldn't be praying this prayer right now. I shouldn't be conscious enough to pray this prayer right now. I shouldn't be in a position. Wait a minute. It became obvious as the minutes, hours, days, as time passed on. Wait a minute. God, I think, I think you're snatching me from the jaws of death. I think you're saving me. Jonah is realizing that though still inside the fish, God has already spared him. His problem was not resolved. This is important. His problem was not resolved. He still needed divine help. But he recognized that in the middle of the mess he was still in, still needing help, he recognized that God was working in it all. And I think there comes a point sometimes when we're going through a bad space where we're like, God, I don't know what to do. And it occurs to us, somehow I'm still here. Somehow. I've made it this far. God's brought me through this far. And, and yes, it's not, I'm not through it. <laughs> I'm not on the other side of this thing yet. But God, I, I'm here still. That tells me something. And while I'm still praying for help, God, I'm recognizing already that you have been faithful to this point. And I need you to still be faithful from this point on. Verse 7, he says, As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who, he makes an interesting statement, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. We'll talk about God's mercies later, more specifically. But, he said, but I, others turn their back on you, God, but not me. I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. This is remarkable. Jonah's saying, my feet are not on dry ground right now. I'm in a bad place. And I've prayed, and I've called to God, and I think that God has taken me somehow miraculously to, through to this point, but I'm in a, I, need a, I need a miracle. And I will feel a whole lot better when I'm in control of my own circumstances, right? We all want to be in control of our own circumstances. Sometimes control is an illusion, anyhow. Things, are, things feel like they're going well, so we feel we're in control. Things are going bad, so we don't feel we're in control. But either way, there's always God behind it all. And Jonah knows he's out of control, and he's in a pickle, and he's not out of it yet. But he says in this moment, inside the fish, he says, I will sing, offer songs of praise. Well, I'll tell you, there comes a spot in our journey where all of us need to be able to say, God, can, can you put a new song in my mouth? 
I want to praise you. What is this? I want to praise you in this storm. And I will lift my hands for you are who you are no matter where I am. Jonah's saying at this moment, God, I'm going to take you right where I'm at. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to sing to you even though I'm not where I want to be. And I don't know if I'm going to get there for sure, but I sense you're working and I sense I still need you desperately and I'm still scared and I'm still praying. I'm going to praise you as I do and fulfill all my vows. Jonah is saying, I'm recommitting myself in the middle of this chaos. Not if I come out of it someday, I will. God, right here, right now, in the middle of this land of the dead, I recommit. I realign. It's, a it's not a time to just push that aside. I've got bigger things to worry about, God. I'm going to use this valley, this tough season to recommit. To remind myself of what I've promised, what you've called me to do. To get back on your will for my life. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone, Jonah said. It's powerful, powerful, powerful. There are so many interesting things that we just saw in that short prayer. Jonah still thought to cry out to God even when everything seemed hopeless and he was helpless. The sea was so feared, he called it the land of the dead, rightfully so. It was Jonah's own fault he was there in so many ways, yet he prayed, though he could have said, what's the point? He kept hope in God no matter how bad it was. Additionally, he continued to pray in these, in the, for these three days, Interestingly, he even praised God and sang praises to God while still far from having his feet on land and recommitted and aligned himself with God's holy will. I just want to point that master idea out to you, to say this to you. I don't know what you're going through, any of us are. You don't, you, maybe I can't, you're online today and I don't know your story, I don't know what your struggles are. You know, my pastor when growing up used to say, be good to everyone because everyone's having a tough time. I don't always know your tough time. God, maybe God only knows, or maybe a few people know, I don't know. But here's what I know. And here's what I want to encourage you to do as we read Jonah's story. Don't pull away from God during the difficult times. Don't pull away from him. Instead, lean into him. That's what Jonah was doing here. Such an informative thing. Instead of pulling away, he leaned in. He said, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, and it's kind of a hot mess, and I'm kind of a hot mess, but God, I can go a number of directions here. I can just pull away, but God, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to lean in. It wasn't resolved. It doesn't resolve today. God, I'm leaning in. And that's something we can all do. Wherever you are, whatever's going on, we can lean in. Does it, not for Jonah, not for us, does it magically wave a wand and fix everything? But it's the, best, it's the best posture forward in the middle of the land of the dead. We may be tempted to blame ourselves, blame somebody else, blame God, accuse him of not caring. Perhaps you just think it doesn't matter, it's just too late. Sometimes our hesitation comes from our own sense of guilt for the situation, how could we hope for God to hear us now after all we've done? I mean, it's just too late anyhow, isn't it? But Jonah reminds us here clearly that it's never too late to cry out to God, to cry out to Jesus. He is merciful. 
We must keep hope in that. Let's look at how the chapter ends. It's the only verse that's not part of his prayer. And it's our transition from stanza two to stanza three, next week's adventure. Chapter two ends with this verse. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Now that word spit there is the the NLT translators being very kind and gracious in their choice of wording. Most other Bible translations use the word vomited. You vomited. I like that one better. I'm not going to go any further with that because that's kind of where we'll start next week. So you're welcome. But, um, oh, yes. Wait, you wait. We're going to have some fun, right? (laughs) No, maybe not. Don't be scared. But anyhow, Jonah's out now. One way or the other. But let's remember today, folks, before we get into that story and stanza number three next week, let's remember not to lose hope. Not to lose hope. Sometimes all you can do is hold on to that. No matter the circumstances, it's amazing. Reading the Viktor Frankl story of people's stories who've been in, in, in camps or POWs in horrible situations who talk about the ones who could make it through had a realistic hope. Not false optimism, but a true one, a hope that carried them through. And whatever you're going through in life, don't lose hope. Don't give up on God when it seems like he may have given up on you because he has not. He hasn't. It's never too late to call out to him. Here's what I want to leave you with a couple statements. I want to say this. You're still here, so there's still hope. At some point, those are the best things to say to yourself. Look around and say, you know what? I'm still here. Don't know how, but I'm still here. And as long as I'm still here, there's still hope. And that comes a spot when that's just done. This race is over. But you're still here. There's still hope. It's worth holding on to. So what should we do? We keep our hope in God. Continue to pray. Praise him in the storm as he has been faithful so far and realign with his will for our lives. Because just because you're helpless, well, it doesn't, mean you're, it doesn't mean it's hopeless. Just because you're helpless, it doesn't mean it's hopeless. And I hope that today, somewhere in there, we can say, God, Jonah's most least exciting part of this whole book of Jonah, chapter 2, that's where I'm at. My hope is in you. And maybe you're here today, and this is exactly what you need right now. Maybe this is something you needed in the past, and you can nod your head and say it's true. And maybe this is not something that you're even challenged with yet, but if the day ever comes, I hope you'll remember the simple, short prayer of Mr. Jonah.